All right, guys, before we get rolling today, I want to let you know that you can bolt up your experience just in time for the big game with $10 off your first three months of YouTube TV. You get access to 85 plus live TV channels, unlimited DVR space, and game day features like key plays. Just be sure to record the game and then use the key plays view right in the YouTube TV app. Catch up on all the highlights you may have missed. Plus, you can cancel at any time. No hidden fees. That's a touchdown. YouTube TV. Try it free and then save $10 per month for your first three months. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly, powered by YouTube TV, alongside Matt Money Smith, Chris Harry here with you. In money, it's it's draft season. We're going to talk to Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports, uh, get a little insight on the Senior Bowl, who he has mocked to the Chargers in a very early, early mock draft. Um, but we got some breaking news this morning: uh, the Chargers, a new special teams coordinator, Ryan Ficken from the Minnesota Vikings spent 15 seasons with the Vikes and now he's going to be a charger. Yeah. You know, I wish I could, could say I knew something about, about coach Ficken. I'm sure, you know, Brandon Staley and, and Tom Telesco and, and everybody did their due diligence when, when trying to put this thing together and, and he was the guy they landed on. I'm happy to have someone. I'm, I'm sure they went through a, a pretty exhaustive process. I think, you know, coach Tabor was someone that they had kind of connected with with coach Staley because of his time in in Chicago and I know they were trying to make a connection there with a with a coach in Denver who was out of a job because you know both Vic Fangio and Matt Nagy got fired so those guys were available but um you know Ficken's the guy and and certainly uh Chris it's something we've been talking about for a long time and you know just how important special teams are and and how not good the Chargers have been at it for for quite a while um now they did pick up certainly in the second half of the season with Dustin Hopkins and and uh, Andre Roberts being added to the roster. Um, but it'll be interesting because, look, I, I think when you think about kickers and punters uh, and returners, just specifically because of the age of Roberts, uh, I'm sure they're going to ask Ficken to do a deep dive into the team and, and figure out, you know, are we keeping our specialists? Are we redoing all of our specialists? You know, what's what's the operation in terms of those three players? I think specifically punter, kicker, long snapper, uh, and then on top of that, you know, do we need to find a, a returner either on our roster or in the draft? Um, you know, the other stuff I think is more on Tom Telesco. Yeah. You know, and, and he talked about that last year that, you know, when you when you let Nick DeZubner go and Derek Watt go and, and you have all these standout special teamers that are vets and they leave your team. Yeah, you're probably going to put your your coaching staff in a compromised position. And, and no doubt that happened with coach Stewart. And then I think for the first half of this season, trying to get those young guys up to speed with coach Swinton. Yeah. And you mentioned it defected Andre Roberts and Dustin Hopkins really solidified those roles towards the back half of the year. It, it will certainly be interesting to see if those guys retain those positions. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe there's some guys that, that coach Staley and, and coach Ficken have, have coached in the past that they think may make sense. And I'll tell you this, I, I think the rookies who were kind of thrust into action this year, you get a year under your belt. So, you know, maybe we see some improvement just on the fact that we have some more more seasoned guys uh, yeah. that have done this job. You know, I, I look at Nick Neiman, who made the uh, all-rookie team as a special teamer. It's just one example of that. 100%. Yeah, I mean, look, and that's, 
we're, you know, we're going to talk about the draft, right? And that's one of the most important things that those later round and undrafted free agent players are going to have to be able to do because it's just the way you have to round out your roster. You don't want to put your best players in compromising positions on special teams, considering what the collisions look like and kind of what some of those plays are. So it's really up to the back end of your roster to, to give you either an exceptional, none of that is coaching, you know, a lot of it's coaching, uh, either an exceptional special teams unit, a league average special teams unit, or a unit that just drastically needs to figure it out and, and find some improvement. Coaching news. We talked about Nathaniel Hackett last week. How about Josh McDaniels joining the AFC West? Your initial reaction to that. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where we, we see McDaniels, his name always pops up. And, you know, he had the Colts job for a second before he yeah. didn't. And uh, he, he's making the splash in Vegas. I Look, I nothing against Rich Basaccia. I mean, you cannot give him enough credit for, for piloting that team after what they went through with Henry Ruggs, with John Gruden, um, with what I thought was the, the maybe if you go top to bottom, the fourth best roster in the AFC West. So to be able to get them into the playoffs and, you know, have a shot to knock off the team that's representing the AFC in the Super Bowl, you know, or at least tie it up and, and maybe go for or go for two and get the win, you know, on the very final play of the game. Uh, he deserves a ton of credit. And so does Mike Mayock. But, you know, with with them being out, um, I don't think there's any question you ask around the league um, when it comes to, you know, the the bright minds that are coaching offense, what Josh McDaniels is able to do. And you just think about, you know, look, he, Tom, Tim Tebow, you know, even though it, it perhaps cost him his job in, in Denver, Tim Tebow got him a playoff win over the Steelers. I mean, yeah. in their prime, you know, he was able to make it work with Matt Castle. He was able to make it work with Mac Jones and obviously all those years with Tom Brady. So uh, not to take a shot at, at Basacha or John Gruden for that matter, but I think it's an upgrade. Uh, I, I think it, it, it you know, if, if Josh, Josh's issues weren't, you know, Coach McDaniel's issues weren't, you know, play calling or inability to understand offense you know, or feel the team that was going to be competitive was personality driven. And, you know, he talked about that and, and how much he learned from his failures in Denver. And, and I would assume also just kind of the way he handled that Indianapolis situation and what a mess that was um, that, that he learned from that. And look, he's, I think the other thing to remember, Chris, is that he had his pick, you know, there were a lot of teams that have been interested in Josh McDaniels these last five, you know, probably three to five years. They're very selective. So, yeah. yeah. So for him to pick this one, uh, I do think, you know, maybe makes you feel like, okay, Raiders, Raiders are probably going to be a little bit more of a handful than they were the last couple of years. And of course, the Super Bowl, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that the Bengals and the Rams are playing at SoFi Stadium. Yeah. You know, we can change. And, you know, the, the fact that the Bengals were able to roll into Arrowhead and it was a tale of two halves to, to get that wind and go to the Super Bowl. Money, it, this is just fact. I mean, if, if you take us back to the beginning of December and it's 24 nothing in Cincinnati and I come into the booth and I said, Money, one of these two teams <laughs> is going to be in the Super Bowl yeah. in February. I mean, it's it's just amazing how how close the Chargers are, and I guess I get it. At forty one twenty two in the regular season, it's a whole different animal than winning in the postseason and getting to the Super Bowl. But it, it does show you, I think, how close the Chargers are to to hopefully getting into the the tournament and contending. Well, I think it it kind of goes back to the the conversations we were having toward the end of the year, or you know, after the loss to the Raiders, that they weren't in the tournament. Is that this year? you know, more than any other that I can remember 
since I've been doing this was wide open. It just felt wide open. It did not feel like the Chiefs, even though they had come on as of late, it did not feel like they were the juggernaut that they had been the previous couple of years. The Patriots were no longer the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick Patriots, you know, that the Baltimore Ravens for all of their regular season success, we've just seen too much failure from them in the postseason with Lamar Jackson. You know, I just, it felt like of all these teams that were going to make it into the postseason, you can make a case for any one of them. And I think that's why it hurt when they didn't get in. And it still stings a little bit uh, when you think about the way the end of the season, you know, when you've got Houston, Denver at home and at Las Vegas on your schedule, and you can't win two of those three to punch your ticket and maybe be the Cincinnati Bengals instead of, you know, going home. But, you know, just imagine being the Buffalo Bills you know, and, and kind of how you feel if you're the Bills after thrashing the Patriots, after going up with 13 seconds left um, to the Chiefs and losing that. Like there, I think there's so many teams that are kicking themselves uh, because of how it played out this year. I mean, think about the Packers. You know, you don't even win a playoff game and you've got the the road to the Super Bowl, you know, coming through your house at Lambeau Field in January. So uh, th- there's only one team that's happy at the end of it all. And I don't think there's any question if the Bengals lose, they're going to feel like, man, what an opportunity we missed. Who knows if we're ever going to have a path like that again. Uh, And if the Rams lose at home, an opportunity to really try to make some inroads in this market, they're going to feel like, yeah, it wasn't just good enough to get there. There's, there's far too much at stake, you know, with this one Lombardi because of how this season played out. Josh Allen tweeted pain during the overtime of of Bengals chiefs. And you're right. It, Every team is going to have some degree of pain. The Chargers came in week 18. The Bills came a couple weeks later. Only one team's happy, and we'll see if it's going to be the Rams or the Bengals. And then you start all over, and we're going to talk to Chris Trapasso about the draft evaluation process, some of the rookies the Chargers had last year making that next step here on Chargers Weekly. All right, Money, let's bring in Chris Trapasso. CBS Sports does a great job covering the draft and Chris, obviously, it's Senior Bowl week. It's one of the the major weeks on the calendar as it comes to the draft evaluation process. What are you hearing out of Mobile this week? Well, it's a really deep defensive line class, especially on the edge. That could potentially be a position that the Chargers would look for uh, to pair with Joey Bosa. Even in the second or third rounds, guys like Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, Sam Williams from Ole Miss. On the interior, not as deep. Both of the interior linemen from Georgia, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, who's down there in Mobile, are kind of the cream of the crop. But by day two or even early day three, you can still get an impact defensive end. They're making the most waves in those one-on-one drills in Mobile. Chris, I think you look at, you know, just needs. And, and we know Tom Telesco has said, and he's actually got a track record for it. They, they are a best player available team when it comes to drafting. But when you think about their needs, uh, right tackle, Interior linemen, corner seem to be the top three to me. Um, you already talked about the interior tackle. What about corners and, and O-linemen in terms of depth there when it comes to that number 17 overall pick and maybe how that shakes out of where the value might be? Yeah, after Derek Stingley, who's probably going to be the first cornerback off the board, probably sometime in the top 10, there's about three or four candidates who could be available and that feel right at number 17 overall. Kyer Elam from Florida is a big, long, physical uh, man-to-man cornerback. I think he would be a great uh, or would formulate a great tandem with Asante Samuel Jr., who's a little bit smaller and quicker. Um, there's Trent McDuffie from Washington. 
uh, Roger McCreary, who had a long, illustrious career at Auburn. So there's like three or four players that I think will sneak into the back half of round one. And for a team that needs a cornerback that certainly has all the weapons and the quarterback on the offensive side, um, I, I certainly wouldn't hate if the Chargers went corner or someone up front at number 17 overall. Chris, the Chargers right now have 11 picks. And when you look at the senior bowl, some guys emerge and maybe they were third, fourth round picks. They become early second round picks. Are there a few guys that you're hearing down there that that have really helped themselves over these first couple of days of practice? Yeah, one name that that could be of interest to the Chargers uh, with Justin Jones hitting free agency uh, is Tyler Davis, a really big uh, or I'm sorry. Tyler Jones, I'm sorry, from UConn. He's this big 335-pound nose tackle, but he can actually push the pocket. He's super strong. Um, He's someone that is playing somewhat of a devalued position, but if you can be someone that can just use your strength to reset the line of scrimmage in the run game and as a pass rusher, I think that's huge. And one other player, he's pretty raw, but he plays the cornerback position, and if the Chargers don't go in that direction in round one, Second or third round, he might be available. Tariq Woolen from UTSA, the Roadrunners, six foot three, almost six four, mm-hmm. 205 pounds, uh, super explosive. You see it on film uh, when he was at UTSA and during these first couple of practices in Mobile, he showcased that his length and his speed, even though he's not the quickest uh, cornerback in this draft, can be a asset to him. So he's someone that we all wanted to see how he would perform against a lot of prospects from the power five conference and at his size and his length, he could add another dimension to this charger secondary. Chris, you, I mentioned the, uh, the O line and look, they hit a home run. I mean, Hey, I don't know, a grand slam, but with Rashawn Slater, I mean, it is one of the yeah. most impressive rookie campaigns we've ever seen for a tackle. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if, if you've got kind of, you know, what they were, what they were faced with in storm Norton on the other side and, you know, credit to storm for stepping in when Balaga couldn't go a, a full game to start the season, uh, probably something that needs to be addressed in, in terms of value and kind of what you've seen um, for that tackle position and maybe more of a right tackle. It feels like guys are so interchangeable now, you know, you can kick them inside. Oh, that left tackle can play right. He's a better right than a left. What, what do you see there? Like in that 17 range, or do you feel like there's more value in the second and third round for that position? I think because it's such a valuable spot, especially when you have Justin Herbert in place and that was such a weakness you have to think about it at number 17 overall. And, and there are a few candidates. I think um, obviously some of the bigger names will already be gone by then, but someone at the senior bowl that chargers fans can watch on Saturday, Bernard Raymond from central Michigan. This is a former tackle who kicked out to the offensive line position and has grown and just as a player. And he just added a lot of weight to his frame, the athleticism, the balance is there kind of following a similar track to former first overall pick Eric Fisher, who was a tackle at Central Michigan, then kicked down uh, to the right tackle position and and has had a very good career in the NFL. Bernard Raymond and another small school player, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. He measured in at six foot six and 330 pounds. So he's ready to go. He's ready to play right tackle today in terms of his size. He does not have a problem dealing with power and he's been good um, over these first couple of practices at Mobile. So I I think at 17, you could think about corner, you could think about other positions, but with the top priority being protecting Justin Herbert and not allowing the offensive line to be held back and the offense in general by a weak spot, by one weak spot up front, 
you have to think long and hard about uh, picking one of these offensive tackles potentially at number 17 overall. Chris, I always love to kind of rewind to a year ago. And, you know, we we're talking about all these prospects. The fact that Rashawn Slater had not played uh, the season before and there was him versus Sewell and, and Rashawn goes at number 13 overall. At this point last year, what were your thoughts on, on Rashawn? And obviously, I think he ex- exceeded everybody's expectations. But how surprised were you that he came in plug and play immediately against Chase Young in week one and never looked back? I was a little bit surprised. He was my number two offensive tackle in last year's draft class. And I love Penny Sewell, but I thought Rashawn Slater was pretty close behind him. And, and he played actually for the full 16 game stretch better than Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell came on strong later in the season, but Rashawn Slater, you know, to start the season against Chase Young and then face Micah Parsons the next week, um, have tough matchups against Max Crosby all in the first month of his season and pass those tests with flying colors was a testament, I think, to the work that he did after opting out. And we saw a lot of those opt-out players, Rashawn Slater, Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, really be able to hit the ground running in their rookie seasons. I thought Slater was going to have some problems uh, dealing with the bigger, more powerful blockers because he's not absolutely mammoth at left tackle, but his technique and his balance and his quickness, I think, really allowed him to be right away a top 10 offensive tackle in the NFL. Chris, they kind of patched it together after letting uh, Hunter Henry go at tight end. They bring in Jared Cook on a one-year deal. Steven Anderson has been fantastic with everything they've asked him to do yeah. as kind of that hybrid player. And and obviously with the injury to Donald Parham uh, later in the season, some you know you kind of wonder how that's going to work moving forward. What about the tight end group? Uh, it, it feels like, I mean, look, look at the Super Bowl, right? Uzama and Higby, and, and you look at the Final Four, and Kelsey's out there. It just seems like such an important position uh, what about the draft and, and this year and, and whether you might be able to find someone at that position, you know, in that second, third, fourth round range? Yeah, this is the deepest tight end class that we've had in probably five years. There's no Kyle Pitts. Uh, there's no TJ Hawkinson that are going to go inside the top 10. But in terms of like you mentioned money, like second, third, fourth round, that's where we're going to see probably seven or eight tight ends go off the board who can stand in and be contributors as rookies. Trey McBride from Colorado State, who's down in Mobile, had over a thousand yards receiving for the Rams this Jeez. past season. Great, yeah, great after the catch. Not an insane athlete or elite separator, but after the catch, he really makes um, you know a lot of defenses pay. There's Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, who was kind of a low volume receiver because of all the talent that the Buckeyes had, but he's a three down player. Isaiah Likely is a name that I think the Chargers and their fans should really be um, zeroing in on in that from Coastal Carolina, smaller school player. He's more of that H-back movable type. And in terms of smooth athleticism, he can separate underneath. You can throw him um, a swing pass into the flat and he can make a cornerback miss and then run through another tackle and turn that into an eight or a nine yard gain. He kind of reminds me of Steven Anderson. So if the Chargers do want to address that position, um, there's other names, Jalen Weidermeyer, Charlie Kolar from Iowa State, who's a bigger like red zone threat. I think they will target that position probably day through day two or early day three. And this is the class to do it. What about linebacker? And, you know, we talk about Kaiser White, who, you know, had what 147 tackles this year. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, Kenneth Murray had an up and down year. Uh, He was injured for some of it. And, you know, Drew Tranquil obviously 
has made his mark on this team. Um, but not knowing how free agency is going to shake out here in L.A., Chris, what about the linebacker position, um, whether it's senior bowl or, or guys that you see as, as first-round talent? Well, what I would say first is that I think Tom Telesco, who has done a great job addressing the style of the linebacker position, that he's looked for supreme athletes. He hasn't really cared the, the size of the players. Kaiser White was a safety. Drew Tranquil played safety in college. That's the, what you need to have in your linebacker room today. So I think this class, after N'Kobe Dean and Devin Lloyd, who will probably be the first two linebackers off the board, almost assuredly in round one, there's two names that really stand out to me that kind of fit the profile of what the Chargers like. Coverage ability, uh, range from sideline to sideline. Brian Asamoa from Oklahoma, who's down here in Mobile. He's very, very athletic. I think to be able to pair him with a former teammate in Kenneth Murray would be an added bonus. And Chad Muma from Wyoming. He was all over the field for the Cowboys. May not be a freaky athlete, but kind of reminds me of Drew Tranquil in that he makes the most of his of his athleticism because he's so good in coverage, very productive, not only as a tackler, but getting his hands on the football, reeling in interceptions. And they're all going to probably be available day two or day three of the draft. Now you've got a lot to work on Chris, when it comes to prepping for the draft, a million names, positions, pairing these guys up with teams. So pronunciations. Uh, we pronunci- got- yes. Yeah. That's, I don't that's know. so hard. <laughs> I don't know how hard it is for you to pay attention to specialists. But because we're seeing Money Mac doing what he's doing for Cincinnati as a rookie, and I just think about Michael Dixon up in Seattle, and just how important, and I mean how much games have shifted on special teams in the playoffs. Is there a legit, this kicker's going to get drafted or this punter is going to get drafted? Because it feels like every year we do get one or two of them. Yeah, there is going to be a punter drafted, and he could go as high as the third round. Matt Ariza from San Diego State, kind of in your backyard. Watching the film of him, and and I'll admit, I'm not someone that spends hours upon hours watching punting film during the pre-draft process, but I had a scout text me early in the season and said, you have to watch San Diego State, not because of Cameron Thomas. You can watch him on defense, but watch the punter. And to be able to routinely have 70, 80-yard punts, I think he could even kick the ball too with that strong of a leg. Uh, he really is a weapon that if we're all about field position and you try to pin a team back and decrease an offense's chances to score a touchdown, if they're starting, you know, at the 15 or the 10 yard line, as opposed to the 30 or the 40, Matt Ariza is that guy that we'll be seeing a lot of those uh, features during the draft yeah. process about this being the highest drafted punter in a long time. Interesting. Uh, Hey, I want to go back to a couple of guys from the draft last year that the Chargers yep. picked up, Joshua Palmer and Asante Samuel Jr. And obviously the Chargers have a big decision to make with, with Mike Williams. Uh, Palmer came on, and we've been impressed with him since I think he came into the building. Mm-hmm. Asante had uh, had a, a couple of concussions this year, so he was out for, for a good portion of the year, um, but showed flashes. Uh, what did you see from those guys, and did they kind of live up to your comps? Yeah, first off, I mean, I'm the perfect guy to have on because I had Asante Samuel with a first-round grade last year. And when he was available in round two and the Chargers picked him, I thought that was a tremendous selection. For him to play under 400 snaps and have 11 pass breakups and two interceptions, that just speaks to the type of playmaker that he can be in the NFL and truly the type of player he was at Florida State. If Asante Samuel was 
probably an inch and a half taller, he would have been locked inside the top 20. But his film, how twitchy he is, his ball skills, um, his deceptive speed, I think projects him to be a true number one corner. And I think people get a little concerned about his size. But in today's NFL, a lot of the really good wide receivers are not six foot four, six foot five. They're smaller. They can get open. And to be able to have a corner that can match their quickness and their suddenness off the line um, is, is vital. And, and I think for someone that didn't get a full season, the little that we did see of Asante Samuel Jr. was fantastic and really what I expected. And to reel it back to the Senior Bowl, Josh Palmer stood out last year in Mobile. And at Tennessee, he was that underneath, intermediate, and down-the-field target for the Volunteers. The quarterback play wasn't very good. I think that's what kind of led to him sinking to the third round. But to only have one drop as a rookie on 49 targets speaks volumes to the concentration that he has. I thought he separated, occasionally hit the big play very well. And and certainly you would like to retain Mike Williams because when healthy, he's been a great number two to Keenan Allen. But I think the Chargers knew, you know, entering the 2021 draft, hey, we have Mike Williams coming up after the season. Let's get Josh Palmer in the building have him in a number three role and see if he'll be ready to, to overtake Mike Williams if necessary for that number two spot. And because Josh Palmer has such a complete game, there's not a clear cut flaw to what he can do on the field. I think he can be a number two in this offense. The, uh, the one other thing, Chris, obviously is they've been searching for a number two back uh, and it's been years yeah. really. Uh, and they, they drafted Larry Roundtree late. Didn't seem like, you know, he he was up for it last year. Two years ago was Josh Kelly. Uh, looked great at times, and then, you know, just some fumble issues crept in. And if, if Justin Jackson was healthy, he was fantastic. He just could not yeah. stay on the football field. So what do you see in this group? Uh, I got a chance to see a couple calling the the NFLPA Bowl. You know, I thought Greg Bolt, Bell looked good. B.J. Baylor had nice soft hands as a, as a per, you know, and, and also had some thump between the tackles. And Malapai even looked good. Like, that's the thing about backs is when you watch them, they all look pretty good. It's kind of hard to decipher, you know, okay, which guy am I going to get in this fifth, sixth, or seventh round that I feel like can be, you know, that secondary back to Austin Eckler. What, what are you seeing out there? It's a pretty good running back class again. I mean, there's the marquee names, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, um, and Kenneth Walker. They'll probably be the first three backs off the board. But with Austin Eckler entrenched in that number one role, I, I don't think the Chargers would obviously address running back that early. What it seems as though to have Justin Herbert and the specialist um, receiving the football that Austin Eckler is, I think the Chargers value, like you mentioned, having soft hands and, and being a weapon in the screen game, maybe even being able to split out wide and run some routes from the slot like Austin Eckler does. To have that... Um, to have Austin Eckler come off the field and you can still insert someone in the same role would be huge for this offense. Uh, two players really stick out to me to kind of fit that mold. It will probably be available fourth, fifth round. Rashad White from Arizona State, um, very slippery player, um, just naturally elusive. And the contact balance is very good. He actually reminds me a lot of his former teammate, Eno Benjamin, who went late in the draft last year. Um, I think he's in for a big second season there with the Cardinals. And James Cook, the brother of Dalvin Cook, who if you look at his screenshot on the Georgia website, looks identical to his brother. Like <laughs> you could have those two be interchanged and you wouldn't even realize it. He was kind of used in that Debo Samuel wide back uh, role in college for the Bulldogs that they literally put him out wide on occasion, had him run, run double moves in the college football playoff against Michigan um, very subtly 
um, elusive, not crazy athleticism to the level of his brother, but the speed and just the natural running ability are there. So I think later in the draft, fourth or fifth round, if they really are going best player available, one of those those two backs would make a lot of sense. Just real quick, Chris, what about thumpers? Like, cause I, I'd love to see a big back on this team. You know, yeah, it yeah. just seems like whenever they had those third and ones and third and twos that just for whatever reason, it was tough for Kelly or Roundtree to get those yards. Um, is there, is there a good looking big back that might be available in one of those mid to late rounds? Yeah, there's a couple. I, I tweeted it during the season, Brian Robinson from Alabama, who pretty much his entire career was playing behind uh, Najee Harris, other NFL caliber backs there with the Crimson Tide, six foot one, 230 plus pounds. And you watch him on film, he looks big, but he doesn't run like he's a plotter, like he's stiff. Um, but constantly, linebackers, safeties are just glancing off of him. He's very powerful. Staying in the SEC, Damian Pierce from Florida, great in pass protection. There was a viral video going around from senior bowl practice where he stood up a linebacker in a one on one pass blocking drill, very, very stout uh, through contact. And, and if that's what they want, um, they can yeah. certainly get that. The, the last name that I'll mention, Jerome Ford from Cincinnati. He actually started his career at Alabama, transferred to the Bearcats, and is big. He's a boulder of a back. He's under six foot, right around 230 pounds, but has speed. He was a big recruit because of how fast he is. So if the Chargers drafted him, get a few well-blocked plays in the run game, he can turn – uh, you know, what should be a, a five or a 10 yard gain into a 40 or 50 yard gain down the field. Chris, the, the way this draft class shakes out, do you see a running back going in the first round or do you see that starting in the second, third round? And I ask that because, you know, we've talked about Tom Telesco taking best available player. I would not be opposed to them getting a stud running back because <laughs> I don't consider Austin Eckler a running back. I mean, I consider him just this offensive weapon that you can keep on the field with a premier back. And I, I feel like that that could really work wonders for this offense. Probably we won't see one until the second round, but to your point and with Tom Telesco's philosophy, if it is a back in the first round, it will be one of the first three names that I mentioned. Uh, Brees Hall from Iowa state, three years of elite production. He looks like an NFL feature back does everything you want. Um, from the position, Kenneth Walker, who broke out from Michigan State this past season, was kind of in the Heisman race there for a while. Um, and then Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. He's a little younger, but he truly, in terms of contact balance, it's almost impossible to bring him down on first contact. And I think you're right. To your point, if Austin Eckler was more of a slot receiver, I think fantasy owners would be a lot happier. <laughs> um, Austin Eckler likes to point to that a lot. Um, and to use his quickness and explosion in the slot, would maybe allow him as he gets up there in age deeper into his career that he's not taking as much of a beating and you could let someone like a Brees Hall or an Isaiah Spiller um, ultimately be that feature back that's handling, you know, 10 to 15 to maybe 20 carries. Money, money. What do you think about that? I, I mean, I just, I feel like if there was, I'm not with you, brother, you know, right. I'm not with you. I just, I, I feel like, you know, where I've got, I've been preaching about it for four weeks now. I, I want a big corner. That's I, I think that is their number one. I'm, need not, I'm not saying like. I'm not saying I'm not saying draft a running back in the first round. Oh, OK, I'm, that's what I thought you were speaking to. It's I'm 17. Saying, I'm saying, can a... you get one of these premier running backs yeah. in the second round? Because like if it's if it's, I think so. Yeah, that's that's what I'm asking, because yeah, I, 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 gotcha. I agree. They're not going to draft a running back in the first round. Yeah. But if one of these top three backs are available in the second round, do you maybe pull the pull the trigger on one of them? Because I, mean, like, I think. I, 
it could change the offense. Yeah, it's what we said. You know, that's just the way Thomas drafted. It's always been vertical versus horizontal is is kind of the way the the Chargers make their picks. So it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, if there's value. You know what? Just on that note, uh, Chris, you know, there's there's that group of elite players, you know, and it's like, oh, here's they got a big five. And then after that, there's who do you think might slide? If, if, you know, would it be Stingley, maybe Sauce Gardner, like it, McDuffie seems to be really making some noise at the senior bowl, like, or, you know, the premier tackles. And I, what is it? You got the NC state. I don't even want to try to pronounce his name. You got NC state, um, the Alabama kid. And, and so, or the, the linebackers, you know, could, could Neil, could Dean slip, you know, I mean, is that because it's a linebacker? Like what would, what wouldn't surprise you? My goodness, Derwin slipped to him. Rashawn Slater yeah. slipped to him. Yeah. So we've seen it like what would not surprise you like this big name ended up sliding to 17 it wouldn't surprise me if nicobe dean the georgia linebacker was there some early rumblings i've heard is that some teams are a little bit concerned that he's going to be short and he's not going to have long arms but like i mentioned earlier and like you guys know tom telesco is fine with you know these almost safeties playing the linebacker position and i think that's what you need in today's nfl so to have Devin Lloyd as his number one competition to be the first linebacker off the board. And Devin Lloyd is like six, three with long yeah. arms. Like there's no concerns in terms of the measurements he'll measure in more like a first round pick, like top 10 or a top 15 selection. Don't be surprised if Nicobe Dean, even though the fluidity is there, the production, he's on a national title winning Georgia team. If he's the one that slips to 17 and we're all wondering how did the chargers get another premier player later in the first round? Chris, before I have you plug everything you're doing and what you got going on during the draft process, I know you're you're a Western New York guy. What's we just talked about the Bills? How is everything going in Buffalo right now? Well, my dad is just coming down from the loss like two weeks later, I think, uh, from the divisional loss. But to have a quarterback entrenched in Josh Allen, I think everyone collectively in the area is just relieved because it took about 20 years for them to get their guy and to have and. Truly, I believe it's it's a quarterback league today that's Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow. And they all have similar characteristics in that they're big. They have pretty good arms. I think Joe Burrow actually is the least physically talented of, of the four, can improvise outstandingly, can run when they need to, and can make those wow throws. So for the Bills and their fans to be like, hey, we finally have one of those guys, I think there's a lot of uh, optimism looking forward that he's only 26 years old. All right, Chris, promote what you got going on throughout this draft process and where people can follow you. A lot of rankings uh, over the next couple of weeks and months at cbssports.com slash NFL slash draft. Um, I'm also on TikTok now doing a lot of film reviews oh. of the NFL season and uh, certainly we'll be diving into a lot of um, the NFL draft process. No dances, though. No, no, dances. no dance. Yeah, I don't use it for that. I'm just showing film. I'm not. I'm not going to try any of the trending dances. That yeah, would be really bad. Not a bad idea. Um, and you know, find yourself. And the last. Beach. <laughs> yeah, the last thing that I wanted to promote, uh, if I can, is I'm selling my grading system. I, I created a grading system for NFL draft prospects over the past four years, just to be able to sort things a lot easier for CBSSports.com. It's called the Scouting Gradebook. You can find it in a link or in the link in my bio on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram. If you want to try your hand at, at scouting draft prospects, you can do that with the scouting grade book. Nice. Amazing. Nice. 
Good stuff, Chris. Uh, we we got to have you back before the, the draft. And uh, oh, you know what? Hold on, Chris. I just thought of it because I got my board from the uh, from the uh, NFLPA game because you said his name, and I swear everybody that was out there said the same thing. And it's nothing against the NFLPA game. There were a lot of great players there, but there was one guy that just looked out of place. There were actually two guys that looked out of place there. Uh, they they just looked like they were. They stood out so much. You kind of wondered, oh, we'll probably see them in the senior bowl or they'll flash at the combine. Uh, you mentioned one's name, Sam Williams. I, I, I can't figure out why he was at the NFL PA bowl and, and not mm-hmm. the, the senior bowl or the, the East West game. And the other was Quantrez Knight, who unfortunately ended up getting hurt. But like those two guys just through practice, they really looked like they were a, a, a notch above the rest of the guys that were out there. Is that accurate? And like what what's the story on those two? Yeah, the story on Sam Williams, I think there's some off-field concerns with him. I mean, but he is in Mobile now. He, I think he was a late addition. There you go. Uh, and, and he's looked even good um, at the Senior Bowl. So he's someone super productive in the in the SEC, powerful player, great with his hands. And Quantrez Knight is, if I'm not mistaken, he's a cornerback from UCLA, correct? Safety, yeah, safety from safety UCLA. Safety from UCLA. Yeah, he was a surprise. I thought he would maybe be one of the players or better players at the shrine bowl. I don't really have anything on why he was at the NFL PA bowl. That's usually, you know, sixth and seventh round picks. If he's healthy, he's probably a fourth or a fifth round selection. Awesome. Chris, you're the man, brother. Hopefully you talk to you soon. Absolutely guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks Chris. All right, guys, another reminder to bolt up your experience just in time for the big game with $10 off your first three months of YouTube TV. You get access to 85 plus live TV channels, unlimited DVR space and game day features like key plays. Just be sure to record the game and then use the key plays view right in the YouTube TV app. Catch up on all the highlights you may have missed. Plus, you can cancel at any time with no hidden fees. That's a touchdown. YouTube TV. Try it free and then save $10 per month for your first three months. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. All right, Money, we're, we're shifting our focus from week one, week two, week three to senior bowl and combine yeah. and a nice little uh, starter here with Chris. No doubt. Um, and I think, you know, he hit on a lot of and look, unfortunately, that's what you get excited about, right? When you don't have a chance to win the Lombardi, you think about players that will help you win the Lombardi the next year. And uh, every team need, has needs. Every team is going to find players in the draft that help them out. Uh, teams approach it differently the way they use the draft. You can look at the one team that's in the Super Bowl. Nobody approaches roster building like the Rams. Uh, the amount of first-round picks. They're not going to have a one, two, or a three in the 2022 draft because the one went for Matthew Stafford, the two and the three went for Von Miller. How'd that work out? Pretty darn well. Um, And, you know, Les Snead does such a good job on the back end of that roster and and finding guys in the later rounds that contribute, you know, on special teams at positions like linebacker and safety, interior line, and and he's able to to do that. So everybody's got a different – philosophy or approach of how they want to use the draft plus free agency plus paying your own teams and your own players and it can work both ways you know it it, it, you can build and develop through the draft and and you can of course dip into free agency like the Bengals did you know with so many of those players that they have and they're specifically on their defense were guys that were just signed this offseason in free agency uh and you can make it work and there's there's no right way or wrong way to, well, there's a wrong way to do it if you do it wrong. But I mean, there's no particular way you're supposed to uh, approach it. Like, it's funny. I was just thinking about it in terms of, 
like Jordan Davis is a perfect example, right? There's so many uh, people that are talking about, oh, Jordan Davis, you know, to the Chargers. They need a big body to help with that run D. And then you'll see the counterpoint to that, which is, well, you know, can you really afford to have a two down lineman that isn't really known to rush the passer? And then you'll, you know, and then I'll come back and say, well, did you guys happen to see the Chargers this last year? Do you know how many third and twos and third and ones and third and threes that they faced because they couldn't stop the freaking run? So yeah, I need to hear about, oh, he's only a two down lineman. Yeah, that's fine. Us, if it's third and eight, then it's, yes. it's much better. Give, give me the two down lineman instead of the, the, the skinny guy that's running up field the whole time and they're in a bunch of third and ones and it's the worst third down defense in the league. So uh, it is funny how people unpack all these players that are supposed to help you. Or, oh, that wouldn't be a great pick. It, it's I'm in the middle of it. I'll be going out to the combine in a couple of weeks. It just it cracks me up, and I'm I'm such a fan of this whole time of year for for the teams and and for all the football fans and specifically uh, the Chargers. Last thing, how was the NFL PA game for you? You and Bucky looking sharp, calling it. It was great. I really enjoyed it. You know, it's my first time calling it. Uh, it's the first time they put me on one of those three games. So I certainly appreciate uh, the folks over at, at NFL Network, you know, Charlie and and those guys for for tabbing me and Flo to, to call that game. And Buck was great and obviously knows every player out there. Um, but it's fun to, to see those players like Sam Cunningham's a perfect example, right? Just shine and like oh now he's in you know why is why is this guy or sam williams i said cunningham she's sam williams six three and a half 260 pounds flying off the edge he's yeah. got what 30 like 35 inch arms and you just see it and so it's fun to get in early on things like that and then you see the local guys play well and then there's the small school players uh we had a guy by the name of deshaun dixon that was fantastic at wide receiver out of nichols um, that, that raised his hand. We had uh, another guy, Jaquez Ezzard out of Sam Houston State, who looked really good out there. The, the MVP was Cole Kelly, who's out of southeastern Louisiana. Um, he was an Arkansas transfer, and he's a giant. He's like 6'7", 240 pounds, rushed for 16 touchdowns, threw for 5,000 yards. So Cole was great. Um, so it was a lot of fun, It's especially those because, you know, we all know what the first round is going to look like for the most part. We recognize a lot of those names. But when you start getting into the sixth and seventh round, that's what a lot of these players are. And that was a lot of fun. I think, I, I think the stat was 139 players from the NFL PA Bowl from the last three years are on NFL rosters. So it's go. just as important to get the back end of that roster. I mean, to name a few, Tariq Cohen. Darnell Mooney, Legereus Sneed for the Chiefs, uh, Samson Ebukam of the, the 49ers, like big-time players that made their way through the NFL PA Bowl. So it's a lot of fun to be part of that. Yeah, I love this process because when you you see some of these guys at the Senior Bowl, and I I, just, I remember when Justin Herbert was at the Senior Bowl. He had yeah. crowds around him, and we, we had no idea where he was going to go. I remember when Kaiser White was a was a safety, safety. in the Senior yeah. Bowl um, out of West Virginia. and just, Look at Mac Jones last year. Mac know. Jones last year. Uh, I remember the big uh, when when Baker went, how big of a deal it was because I think he he came late and yeah, um, it, it's fun to look back during this process. I, and just another example, I, I did a piece for CBS on Demetric Felton from UCLA. Yeah, um, we had no idea where he NFL was going PA to go. Bowl guy. Yeah, and 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 he was a you know he was a standout for the Browns on special teams this year. So yeah. you never know where these guys are going to go, and, and you hope that you know you get to see some of their stories as Chargers, and and we'll see this kind of process play out over the next few months. We'll have you covered, and then of course next week uh, Super Bowl week here in LA, 
We'll be back with another episode of Chargers Weekly powered by YouTube TV. For Matt Money Smith, I'm Chris Harry. We'll see you next week.